Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Clippers. Now. Can't get a shot off. Out to Paul, a long three. Shazam! Oh, brother. That one was almost in the parking lot for CP3. One of the few highlights yesterday for Chris Paul, at least when he had the ball in his hands, making shots on the offensive end. He did have a bunch of rebounds. At times, it felt like he was the only guy getting rebounds out there. For he, the played hard. Suns. He, did, he played hard. He played hard. But uh, as we're dissecting the Suns' very unexpected Game 1 loss to the L.A. Clippers yesterday at Footprint Center, as we kind of think about Game 2, we weren't expecting to be in this position where the Suns are down 0-1. Now, as you, and I'm going to keep saying this because I know a lot of people come into us and they don't listen to the whole show and they just listen to bits and pieces. We are not in panic mode about this. We are not. We, we, I'm disappointed. I'm not concerned. Teams drop game one all the time. Doesn't mean they lose the series, right? That being said, the analogy you've used is a very good one. The Suns right now, kind of like a fixer-upper house, you kind of have to prioritize what's the most important thing that we got to fix. Then we got to move on to the next important, and then the next, and then the next. Yeah, it's not like the Titanic. There was one thing wrong. It sunk. It hit an iceberg. It hit an iceberg, right? Yeah. yeah. This one. Why does Titanic sink? It hit an iceberg. Any other reasons? Nope. That's nope, it. That was only right. It was what beautiful. Reason? The ballroom was great. The band was great. The rooms were fantastic. Leo and Kate were in love. It the was food, awesome. It was, it was a lot great. of love going yeah, on right there. Food was good. Like you know, beautiful. It hit an Iceberg. That yeah. was one reason. Yeah. Now with the with this, there's many reasons as to why the Suns lost that basketball game. We move on to Chris Paul. Yeah, he's one of them. Tell me what bothered you about Chris Paul. He had last two night. chances in the fourth quarter to hit his patented elbow jumper, and he missed them both. Mm-hmm. Like you're, that's money in the bag, in the bank. That's money in the bank. Chris Paul gets to that spot. He knocks that down ninety percent of the time. It's what he's. It's what he's known for. And then you get to the fourth quarter of a basketball game, and he's always been great at closing out games. He he exerts a lot of energy. He, he saves energy and then exerts it late. He had two chances to knock down jumpers that could have helped the Suns win. He missed them both. Chris Paul had eight points. He had eight points in a basketball game? Yes, he did. What, I read something about his first double-double in a playoff game that they didn't have, like, the part of the double was the points? <laughs> like, he doesn't score. Like I didn't I, read that. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. I'll, I'll find it Was that it in your you. notes? I must have skipped that part. Yeah. Or I must have read over that part. Was, I, my notes were really long. I actually sent my notes to you last night, like, 11 o'clock at night. I was like, I I got home last night, and I'm so you're so wired. You know when you get home from a oh, game? Yeah, 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 I know. I'm so wired, and it was like, I, I, just, I just worked. So, like, I just put everything was in my head that I was thinking. I'm like I'm just gonna I'm gonna do it all now, um, but yeah. One of the things I sent to you was here it is. Chris Paul entered with 577 career double doubles, including the playoffs. Tonight was his first one that did not include points. So he, I thought he was listen. I thought he was terrible. Okay, I'm kind of like it is. I mean, he played hard. I give him credit. Played hard, but it wasn't any good. It was not a good game for Chris Paul. He took eight shots. He missed six. All those shots were easy shots. He didn't want to take the three when it was there. Mm-hmm. And then when he did, like when, when the pressure was on, when the pressure was on, and Chris didn't need to make a shot, he wasn't able to make a shot. Yep. He missed two short mid-range jump shots that he is well known for making. Like he, That's money in the bank when he shoots that shot, and he missed them both. There was a stretch from about six minutes left in the game to about three minutes left in the game, two and a half minutes left in the game, where it was almost nothing but empty possessions for the Suns. Every time they went down the floor, they got next to nothing. Almost every I think the only time they got points down the floor was on Booker's incredible steal in which he 
perfectly anticipated the pass. Wow. Tipped it into Torrey Craig, who went down for the dunk in the that end one. It was a beautiful play. play. And Devin Booker, by the way, extraordinary defense last night out of Devin Booker. He was really, really good defense. And we'll talk about Booker a little bit later, yeah. but I wanted to mention that. Okay. I think that was the only play in that pocket of time where the Suns didn't have an empty possession. So I went back and looked at it again. I rewatched the fourth quarter of the game today. I looked at the game log today. A lot of that was Chris Paul. Not all of it, but a lot of it was Chris Paul doing exactly what you're talking about. Missing that patented midi. Missing that shot that we're so used to seeing. And then I thought about it, and somebody pointed this out as well. Yesterday, Chris Paul only had one catch-and-shoot three-pointer. Wasn't that how we were reworking the offense to accommodate? Yes. Right? Wasn't that we're how we were going to get open looks to, for the three? Yeah, we were redesigning yeah. the offense so that Chris Paul can be more of an off guard. I didn't see that yesterday during the fourth quarter. What I saw was Chris Paul kind of taking on the role that he's always taken on. Fourth quarter, I'm the guy. Here we go. Pick and roll. Elbow jumper. Bang. I'm going to win this game. I thought we were kind of reinventing the, the Suns offense to a certain extent where Chris Paul was going to be more of a spot-up shooter type. He he only took one, and I think it was like a half-court heave in, in terms of a pure catch-and-shoot three-point shot. And it seemed to me like the new version of the Suns, they went away from that last night. And it was more of the old version of the Suns last night. I don't want to see the old version of the Suns. That version can't win the NBA championship. I want to see the new version. The one where Chris Paul's a little bit more of a spot-up three-point shooter and not so much the guy in well, the fourth quarter. Back-to-back-to-back three-pointers by the Clippers. Kawhi hits an open three-pointer, 103-90. Kawhi hits another three-pointer, um, and that made it 106-101. Uh, Gordon hits a three-pointer, 109-103. The Clippers, in crunch time, made three three-pointers. They made three. The Suns hit one with Kevin Durant. But, like, but Chris Paul's two misses, and they were big misses. I mean, he missed a short mid-range jumper when it was uh, it was 100-99. to He missed a short mid-range jumper. Russ Westbrook grabbed, uh, Russell Westbrook grabbed, grabbed a rebound. DA then missed a jumper, and then Paul missed a mid-range jumper. All with the score the same. So, like, he had some opportunities there, and he two times in about a one-minute span, he yeah. had two of those mid-range jump shots that he's known for, and he missed them both. Even like, earlier, he can't like miss them. five and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter, he missed a little floating jump shot as well when the score was 97-96. I had him as three missed shots during that stretch. And, and again, it, it, it was it was beyond the results, okay? It was the, it was the style, and it was the process, and it was kind of the how you got there. Kevin Durant can't be some decoy in the corner while Chris Paul is trying to run the show in the fourth quarter. You know, you, it's it's got to be better than that. It's got to be more than that. And I know the Suns have won a lot of games with Chris Paul doing that. But again, the new version of the Suns has Chris playing more of this role as a spot-up three-point shooter and other guys kind of initiating the offense in Durant and Booker. And it just kind of felt like Chris Paul was doing the Chris Paul thing. And I, that's not what I was wanting out of yesterday. Played the Whole, by whole fourth quarter, right? They started the fourth quarter with Book, KD, Paul, Landry Shamit, and Landale. The first sub was Tory. He came in for Landale. The second sub was Ish. He came in for Tory. And then the next sub was DA for Ish. So, and then Tory for Landry. So, like, they kind of went with their main guys for that whole fourth quarter to try to, you know, try to get to get over the hump and get that victory because it was a close game. Chris just didn't play well. Like, and I think, 
And I know you know this, I've said it many times. I think he has to play well for them to win a championship. I think if Chris Paul plays like that, they can't win a championship. I think they can beat the Clippers. But do I think that they can win a championship if Chris Paul is blah? No, I don't. I think Chris Paul has to play better for them to win a title. Monty after the game on CP3's rebounding and not scoring. I mean, it's what we needed. Uh, Russ had five offensive boards. You know, we, we have to have more attention um, as far as keeping their guards off the glass. I mean, we needed Chris to rebound. They had 14 offensive boards, 10 more possessions. You know, I thought that was... Uh, along with the stuff that happened down the stretch with, you know, the two threes we gave up. I thought the extra possessions we gave them uh, really hurt us tonight. And look, honestly, a lot of my Paul discontent just comes from that place of wanting to see the ball in Kevin Durant's hands more in the last five minutes of that game. You know, it was it was in Chris Paul's hands too much and not in Devin, Kevin Durant's hands totally. enough. Right? And, and that, totally. that's, my, that's my issue with Chris Paul. Too much Chris, not enough Kevin. You know? And that seemed to one be the shot in the off. final six minutes for Kevin Durant. He took one shot in the final six minutes. Kevin Durant, you gave up everything, including the Grand Canyon, to get him. And you and you give him, and he takes one shot in the final six minutes. Yep. Well, Chris Paul's taking more. Three. Chris Paul took three, and Kevin Durant took one. Yeah, it's inexcusable. Mm-mm. It's inexcusable. Mm-mm. Like that has to change, and everybody knows that has to change. When we come back, you can register to win tickets to go see Foo Fighters on October third at Talking Stick Resort Amphitheater. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. You'll get all the event details and your chance to win right there. When we come back, the Suns very much out of their element yesterday. Why exactly was that? We'll talk next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Clippers now. They're switching, or when they have Zubac on Tori, or that kind of thing, it shouldn't slow us down. It's I liken it to a zone. You know, that's what they want. They want you to slow down. That's not what we do. So that's one adjustment that we all know we have to make. That was Monty today, uh, not after last night's game, but today during their practice and their shoot around, talking about something that I think was also really obvious. If you were watching Game One, if you were either in the building or watching the game on TV, the Suns play at a very slow pace last night, right? Totally. Very slow. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, right? That allows the the Clippers to set their defense. It allows them, because they're a very good switching team. Batum's not a great defender, but he's long, so they've got some of those long guys, and especially the bench guys. You know, man can really get after it, and Bones Highland, those guys can defend a little bit. So I thought the Suns, I thought they looked slow. I thought they looked slow, and I I know it is with crew, but even you know Kevin Durant was walking the ball up the court. Look, I think you want to get in transition. You want to run a little bit, you know, and I don't think they did that enough. When they did it, they were highly successful very, at it. Very. Highly successful at it. Look, the Clippers, you know, there were times during the game when they clearly were doubling and trapping, but for the most part, the, it was almost like one and a half guys. It's almost like what Dallas did to the Suns last year. It's one and a half because they, they they weren't committing to the, double, to, to the doubles and the traps all the time. It was like we're gonna go. We're gonna try to stay in front of you, and if you get by us, 
the help's going to slide over quickly because we've got a guy half in and half out. So it wasn't a, a straight double team as much as it is. It is is I'm going to you know a guy's going to if I'm guarding you I'm going to be off of you a little bit so I can go help in case somebody gets by. So it wasn't you know you saw at times when the Suns on one possession the Suns triple teamed Kawhi Leonard mm-hmm. triple teamed when he hit Eric Gordon for the three hit right Gordon yeah. for the three passed out of it. The the, the Clippers were more of I'm going to guard you one on one at times we'll try you and at times we'll double you but for the most part we're going to try to stay in front of you one-on-one if you get by us yes of course help's going to come over we're going to put another guy in front of you but I was a little surprised because I thought you know you you could double Durant and have one guy on Booker and and that's what they did sometimes that's when Torrey Craig was hitting all those shots you know if you've got two guys that you're worried about there is a way to guard them you double one guy you have one guy on the other you are going to leave somebody open and that's what they did they they left Torrey Craig wide open to hit, you know, 10-foot jump shots. That was really obvious, especially the Troy Craig part. I mean, they, they were they were here. Go ahead, take it. And Ty Lue said as much after the game. Hey, look, with the strategies to put the ball in Troy Craig's hands, more, more than books and KD. We know CP, we know Booker, we know KD, um, um, what they can do, you know, and, and Craig's been playing great. I mean, nothing to take away from him, but, um, you know, we want him taking, you know, more shots, you know, and just try to keep the ball to KD and Booker's hands but like I say, Tory played great tonight. You know, hats off to him. And um, you know, you want to see guys, you know, play well, not win. But you know, I don't want to, you know. But like I say, he played well, and they did a good job of just running actions for him and getting him a couple shots, and he played well. But just trying to take the ball to Katie and Book's hands as much as possible. As we talked about earlier, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with Troy Craig taking open ten footers if they're there, as long as he's making them. That's fine. But the more shots he gets means the less shots for Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and then which it's means, hard for him to get a rhythm. Exactly, mm-hmm. it's it's hard for them to find their pace and find their flow because they're just not getting as many shots as they're used to getting because Torrey Craig's getting them all. Torrey Craig had a fine game last night. He, he, he played well with what he had in front of him, but it was too much. It was too much Torrey Craig. It was it, it, it got all the other guys out of it. And I'll tell you something else, too. I, I think this is where we talked about this a lot last week. This is where Ty Lue is really one of the best in the NBA. He is a great, great playoff coach. He's really good at it. I think all the stuff he did, including having you know with Torrey Craig starting and what he did defensively, I mentioned this earlier. I think the Suns were really thinking about it a lot. The first quarter and a half, almost the first full half of the yeah, game. It's a feeling out. Are they, they going to double? Are they going to trap? Are they going to play us one on one? What are they going to do? You almost like you're waiting to see. Like they're processing. What are they going right? to do? Like, yeah. Okay, wait, wait. Okay, I'm processing. Process. Okay, now we'll do. And it felt like the whole almost first half. I'll say the the, the first quarter and a half. It felt like the Suns were that spinning wheel of death on your computer. Where like they were waiting for something to download. They were wait- they were waiting for the attachment to open, right? And you're just getting that spinning wheel. Like I'm waiting for my rental of this movie to come through. And in the meantime, I'm just watching the circle spin and spin and spin. That was the Suns last night on offense. I felt Ty Lue and what he did with Zubots and Kawhi and how he defended the Suns gave the Suns too much to think about, too much to process, and because of that, they moved very, very slow. I thought the one thing that worked for them is they took they, the Suns took full advantage of when Eric Gordon ended up on Devin Booker. He's too slow. We can't guard him. Went by him for basket after basket after basket. Eventually, okay, we can't have Eric Gordon on him. We're going to do that. So, you know, that that's where, like, if you've got one weaker defender, you know, if look, if Kawhi's on Kevin Durant, you're not doubling, you're not trapping, you know, you're not going to have the help. If he gets by him, he gets by him. But if Eric Gordon Gordon's on Devin Booker. You've got to 
have somebody else there to come and help because he's going to get by Eric Gordon. So that's where, you know, it depends on the match. It depends on the matchup, whether you're going to double or trap. It really depends on who's guarding who as to whether you're going to do that. But clearly, I thought the Suns had some chances to get out and run in transition and they slowed it down. I think that worked against them. Uh, credit to Mitch for flipping this from today. This is, uh, this is uh, Monty again from today's shoot around where he said, yeah, we were a little hesitant last night. I thought there was some hesitation. I wouldn't call it <clears throat> panic or any. I just thought we were hesitant. When they had Zubach on Tory, instead of just going at him with D.A. and then picking rolls and taking advantage of that, we did it one time, D.A. got a dunk. I thought we were a bit hesitant, and we were slow. We were getting into our first option with 14 seconds on the clock. That's not what we did. So I think tomorrow we'll have more um, urgency to get down the floor, but we got to get the ball. Can't give up that many offensive rebounds and expect to play fast. Yeah, we've barely even gotten into that, and I know we just spent the whole last segment railing on Chris Paul and the game he had. I thought that was something else, too, with the pace, starting things slow. I really noticed that a lot with Chris last night. When he was bringing the ball up, and he was kind of the primary initiator. Yeah. I know even when Kevin was doing it, too, but more so Chris. Man, they wouldn't really start running whatever they were going to run until there was about 16, 15 seconds left on the clock, no, right? You know when he lets the ball roll? Yeah. Like, well, why are you doing that? Well, there's, I mean, there's that, but even just the, I mean, like, the, he's not even walking the ball past the half-court line, right? Like, it's just these little baby steps where he's trying to take as much time as he possibly can before he crosses the half-court line. Then by the time you get there, everything's just a step behind. I, I just, I, I don't know why Chris, I don't know why he did that. I like it when they play with better pace, and sometimes Chris doesn't just play with the pace I want well, I like the to. pace because sometimes you don't let them get into the defensive rotations. You don't let them set. You go out there and you find those mismatches uh, that work for you because you don't really let them get back on defense. So I, I'm surprised they didn't push the ball a little bit more. But listen, with Chris, I mean, it's it's kind of that's the way it is. I, I mean, know. I th- know. There's a half-court offense and a transition offense, and the Suns were very much half-court offense last night. Yeah. Uh, this is more money from today. Only 19 three-point attempts. Let's talk about that. We played really slow. Uh, our start was slow. Uh, the ball movement wasn't where it needs to be. They had some weird lineups out there and weird matchups, and we just didn't um, identify it fast enough on the fly. Uh, and that that's on me to get us in those spots to take advantage of. Uh, but a lot of it starts with getting a defensive stop. When we get a lot of our threes, they're in transition where we live at the rim or we shoot threes. 19 threes in a game like that, that's way too low. And that's something else I noticed last night, too. When the Suns were playing their brand of ball, when they were getting out and running, it was off of defensive stops. It was because the Clippers weren't converting and they weren't getting rebounds. So the Suns were able to get out and play with a little bit of pace because the Clippers, it wasn't after a made shot. It wasn't after an offensive rebound. It was the Suns getting the stop and tr- and they were cooking the Clippers in the third quarter on those defensive stops that led to the runouts. And that's when the Suns looked like the Suns last night, I thought. Yeah. That third quarter, they definitely had you know a few of those fast breaks, you know, and that's where Book was driving on Gordon, you know, quite a bit in that. And there was a, you know, fast break basket by Craig off of a, a turnover in which he dunked it. That tied it at 68. Booker had a couple of those, you know, fast break baskets. So, yeah, I thought that that's what they were trying to do. I thought they were trying to run a little bit more there. But I mean, that's just got to be part of your game. You got to know, listen, we're going to get the ball, we're going to push the pace. Um, you know, it's not Chris's game. 
And that's maybe where they missed campaign a little bit last night because he would have played a little Amen. bit. No, he one, is a he is a push to pace type of guy. Hundred percent, Gambo. You're so I'm not having him hurt. Can't believe it's three twenty five, and we're just bringing that up for the first time. No campaign out there. No push they of the pace. Could have yeah. used him to set a different style of pace out there. There's no doubt about it. You can text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. He had. How many rebounds? And he took how many shot attempts? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Clippers. Now. I knew we were going to talk about DeAndre Eaton in this segment, so I saved this text that we got on the FanDuel text line. This is from uh, Josiah, who texts in on the FanDuel text line. I was at the game last night, and I seemed to be the only one around who would get pissed whenever Eaton would pull up for an elbow jumper. He's the biggest guy on the court and is not physical, and I believe that's one of the key factors as to why they lost. Close quote. Josiah, what took you so long? <laughs> Josiah, like, what took you so welcome long? Welcome to the party, pal. He's a finesse center. <laughs> Trust me, I used to feel that way a lot about kind of Patrick Ewing with the Knicks. Oh yeah, because he was a finesse guy. He was a jump shooter. He was a, he was. I mean, he was much better than DeAndre Ayton, but he was a you know he wasn't a physical. Pre- they had to go out and trade for Charles Oakley to have some physicality. The Knicks because Ewing he was a soft center. He was a finesse guy. He was really like talented with his shot, but he and he could score from anywhere. So like you know, with DeAndre, like we've kind of known this, like and it's not going to change, like. That's not who he is. He is a he's a finesse type guy. He likes to take that little jump. He's pretty good at it too. For the most part, he's pretty good at it. But the physicality, yeah, that was a physical game last night. That was a physical game. Yeah, the Clippers were more physical than the Suns. They were more physical, and I think that hurt Phoenix. Oh, it definitely hurt Phoenix. And I mean, look, we've we're an hour and a half into the show. We've likened last night's game one to a house that needs a serious renovation, and and now we're kind of on. On to maybe one of the most important parts of the renovation of the house. Okay, like the thing that's gonna, you know, how all those home renovation shows that uh, that well, my wife will watch. I know we can, we'll watch them too every now and then. They always get to that part where where it's like, oh man, this is gonna be more expensive than we thought. This is the part where uh, it's a surprise. We weren't expecting this. Here comes a big bill that we're gonna have to pay to fix the foundation, or we've got termites. termites. We're gonna have to fix the wood. Oh God, we're gonna fix the wood, right? The 15 offensive rebounds by the L.A. Clippers last night. Oh, my God, that was horrible. And then the Suns on the other end. Every starter but DeAndre Ayton had at least one offensive rebound. Jock Landale played a quarter of the minutes that DeAndre Ayton did at the center position. He had two offensive rebounds. DeAndre Ayton had none. How? How does that happen? And then, of course, all of this is just a big grand setup for the last, what, minute of the game? Yes. From 108 on the clock mm-hmm. to 17 seconds on the clock, where the yeah. Clippers basically possessed the ball the entire time because they kept getting offensive rebounds. Drove you nuts. Just drove you crazy last night. Two guys game. on the Clippers that are really good with offensive rebounds. Russell Westbrook and man. Russell Westbrook even said after the game, I'm one of the best. Yes, you are, you're one of the best in the game at your position. And the reason why is because nobody guards you. You can't shoot. So that's the truth. <laughs> 
The truth is, is the Russell. Truth. Why is why is Russell Westbrook a great offensive rebounder? Because nobody guards him. Nobody guards. Nobody him. guards him. He's in space. He can go do what he wants. He to can do. crash the boards every time, and nobody like the one. The, what the first one he had, Book was leaning off of him and looking to look at a double. So when the shot goes up. Book doesn't know where Russell Westbrook is. He can't box him out. He can't. He doesn't know where he is. You can even see on the video. Book looks to his right. He looks to his left. He goes, I don't know where he is. He's getting a rebound. <laughs> that's what he's doing. You're talking about the first offensive the rebound, The first right? offensive yes, rebound. Yes, yeah. but, but like that's that's part of what happens when you have guys that aren't guarded. When you're not guarded, okay, I've got the freedom to just go in there and, excuse me, excuse me, grab the offensive rebound. That's what happened. Another time, he kind of went around Torrey. He kind of like, Torrey was looking up and right. He didn't know Russell Westbrook. It just kind of goes around him. So you got to have a body on a guy, right? And you have a body on a guy. Like if you're, if I'm covering you and I know a shot goes up, I'm immediately going to make sure that you don't get there. I'm going to turn. I'm going to put my body in front of you. You're not going to get the offensive rebound because I'm going to make sure you don't. I know where you are. But the reason that Russell Westbrook and even Terrence Mann are so good at that is because they're not guarded. Nobody guards them. So when the shot goes up, there's nobody that can put a body on them. Nobody knows where they are. They're able to sneak in there and get those offensive rebounds. That's the only reason Russell Westbrook's a great offensive rebounder, because he's such a terrible shooter. Those offensive rebounds hurt. It led to extra possessions. It led to extra shots. It led to extra makes. What, the Clippers shot 11 more field goal attempts than the Suns? And in a game that was as close as last night was, and last night was a close game. Matters. It matters. 11 extra shots matters. Two extra made baskets matter. Four extra made three-pointers. They all matter. They all add up. It's those little things that get lost in the margins that if you're not careful, you will lose the game and the Suns were not careful. And to me, with Aiton, it's almost like twofold. Okay, does he play with physicality? No. Is he a finesse center? Yes. Okay, we, we've. this is who he is. This is what he's about. He also, and this is going to sound really familiar to Suns fans, sorry, He's got some of the worst hands of a big man. The ball hits him in the hands and he can't corral it. And that was, I remember back to when they drafted him. I remember back to talking about all the good things about DeAndre Ayton. That was supposed to be one of his strengths coming out of Arizona, was his hands. He had elite hands hands for a big man. There's nothing elite about his hands, ever. In the last minute of of the game last night. Okay, a couple of those offensive rebounds, you're right. One of them, Westbrook went around book. Another one, it was Chris Paul and Torrey Craig not doing a really good job blocking out. But on two of them, it was the ball literally going off DeAndre Ayton's hands or his feet. And and he just... The feet one, he couldn't do anything about. Okay, I'm going to give him now one. He couldn't do anything about that. Okay, okay, fair, fair. But the other one, the, the one with Zubac, where he's battling and man came in. He was like, like okay, like there was that, that the one he should have, he probably should have got with his. I don't mean to be snarky, but it's almost like you could have like a Suns bingo card if you were playing bingo. Yeah, and every time a ball goes off of DeAndre Ayton's hands, you could check that box. You go, okay, oh, bingo, you know, right? Like it happens every game, and for it to happen in that moment last night, it's frustrating because, like you. I remember two postseasons ago when DeAndre Ayton had this extraordinary coming out party. Just dominated. And last night, Zubats kicked his behind. And that's night. an advantage. Like a lot of people look at, okay, advantage is player versus player. You think there's an advantage for the Suns there. There wasn't. I mean, DeAndre Ayton had eight total rebounds in the basketball game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're seven feet tall. Like, you've got to grab more rebounds. Like, he was okay. The only, like, his game was okay. It was a bad game, but then he hit those two jumps. He hit a jumper to make it 103-101 and a floater to make it 106-103. He did have two huge baskets in the fourth quarter, but overall, I mean, just, you know, eight to 16 shooting 
shoot. He only got to the free throw line one time. Mm-hmm. Once. Mm-hmm. Here's your seven-footer, and you're getting the ball into him. He had, how many shots did he take? 16? 16. And he got to the free throw line one time. And he was second he, on the team in field goal attempts. But he doesn't get to the free throw line. And, and yes, to be outplayed by Zubac is inexcusable. I mean, eight rebounds overall. Well, that guy had, you know, double digits and rebounds. You know, that's that's another factor as to why the Suns lost. Several factors as to why the Suns lost. That's one of them. Yeah, uh, Monty, today on the rebounding issue, just didn't attack bodies. Um, we talk about paint touches with the ball. They had paint touches with the body. We were waiting on guys to get to the paint, and they were pushing us underneath. we got to go find bodies when the shot goes up. And I just had this horrible flashback to last year's Pelican Series. Do you remember talking about this every day last year during the Pelican Series? Yes. Offensive rebounding, offensive rebounding. Yeah. Why are they not getting more? They're getting Jonas Valanciunas is killing them on the boards. Brandon Ingram is killing them on the boards. Every single game in that series, we were talking about that. I do not want to go down that path again. I really, really don't. And DeAndre Eaton has to do better than zero offensive rebounds. He has to do better than eight rebounds. He has to do better than having 16 shots and no free throw attempts or one free throw sh- attempt to show for it. He, he, he just, How many shots did Durant take? Durant took 19. I mean, you took only three less than Durant? Hold on. Give me a minute. I think it was 15. I'm sorry. Durant took 15. Okay. Ayton took 16. DeAndre Ayton took more shots than Kevin Durant. That's the how many times did Durant, how many times did Kevin Durant go to free throw line? Uh, Kevin Durant went to the Lots. free throw line 10 times. How many times did DeAndre Ayton go? Twice. Yeah. Twice. DeAndre, he, he, he took 10 free throws. DeAndre Ayton took two. Okay, okay, you're both relatively the same size. Mm-hmm. And I know guys can foul him when he goes up for the shot, but DeAndre's got to find a way to get to the basket more, like driving, and try to get guys in foul trouble. The Suns were picking up fouls left and right last night. I was kind of worried about foul trouble. Book had two in the first quarter. They're always picking up fouls. The problem is DeAndre doesn't do a good enough job trying to get other guys in foul trouble. No. That really hurts no, them. No, it does. It's the hottest ticket in town. They are Suns playoff tickets. They're back in action tomorrow night. We want you to text the word TICKET to 620-620. Register and then listen for your name today during the 5 o'clock hour. It's your chance to qualify for Game 2 tickets to see the Suns and the Clippers tomorrow night. Again, text the word TICKET to 620-620. Not a great weekend for the Suns. The Diamondbacks started off poor. Ended very well. Thank you, Zach Gallen. We'll talk D-backs baseball next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. We're checking in on the Diamondbacks as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck, brought to you by Sonic Drive-In. Drive into your nearest Sonic location for the Super Sonic Double Stack Cheeseburger. For a limited time only at Sonic. And by 72 Sold. 72 Sold. Get a higher price for your home. We take a break from our Phoenix Suns conversation to turn our attention to the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're getting ready to take on the St. Louis Cardinals today as their road trip continues. That game can be heard on ESPN 620 coming up in about a half hour, 45 minutes or so. We'll completely keep you updated on that game throughout the course of Burns and Gambo. But let's preview that game and take a look back at the weekend that was for the Arizona Diamondbacks here on D-backs on deck on the Burns and Gambo show. Let's start by looking back. They dropped two out of three to the Miami Marlins. Madison Mum Garner, another awful start on Friday nights. Zach Gallen saved their bacon with the way he played he yesterday was, and, and avoided the sweep in the series against the Marlins. Yeah, he was great. A lot of people talk about just, you know, him and, and Jazz Chisholm being traded for each other, but, you know, him and his former Cardinals teammate, 
Sandy Alcantara mm-hmm. went at it yesterday in that game. And a lot of people don't know that. They just know that Gallon got traded from Miami, but he actually got traded originally from the Cardinals. Him and Sandy Alcantara were traded together to, you know, from the Cardinals to the Marlins for Marcelo Zuna. So those two guys went at it yesterday. Now Contreras, you know, is one of the best pitchers out there. Incredible young arm. And he got out-dueled by Zach Gallon. Zach Gallon was fantastic yesterday. Six and two-thirds shutout innings. Um, another great start by him. And then Corbin Carroll, so good in that game yesterday. That home run was a thing of beauty uh, that he hit off of Alcantara. That was a big one. So uh, good game for Zach Gallon. Good game for the D-backs after losing the first two in Miami. That, that one on Saturday really stung because they had the lead name. Ended up losing it, I think, 3-2. But Gallon was great yesterday, and Carroll was fantastic, and they win the game. Yeah, uh, Gallon is 28 total strikeouts. That's first among qualified National League pitchers. This is according to D-back stats and info. Uh, his whip is the sixth best, best in the National League. He has now thrown 15 consecutive scoreless innings. Today, he was just named National League Player of the Week, as Eric has telling you in the updates. Start a new streak, With baby. the way he's been pitching. Right, he's 44 and a third last year, and he's already up to 15 this year. He was tremendous. Corbin Carroll, you mentioned the good day he had yesterday. Two for four. He leads Arizona in at-bats, hits, home runs, stolen bases, total Can bases. Can you believe he's leading that team in home runs? And is tied for the lead in runs and extra base hits. Um, yes and no. Team MVP, Corbin Carroll. Put it in there now. You don't even have to play the rest well, of it. I mean, we knew he was going to be great, right? I, I don't know if I thought not he was going to lead the team in home runs. Home but runs. He's been well, Walker's not having a good year right now. Terrific to start the year. No, Walker's off to a slow start. And you're right. On Saturday, that was the Scott McGuff game. He came in. His ERA's around nine and a half. He should get man apply back soon. That will help. Maybe today. Any day now. Yeah. In fact, we're almost expecting some kind of an announcement on that. Then, of course, on Friday, Madison Bumgarner. And if you missed it, Tor- he did announce over the weekend they're going to give Mad Bum another start, but there's a lot of conversation about how many more starts Madison Bumgarner should get. I, I, I don't get it. He, he's he's had three starts. His ERA is just about eight, seven point nine zero. He's given up eighteen hits and eleven walks, one hit batter in thirteen and two thirds innings. Now you go up against a Cardinals lineup that hits lefties really, really well. Uh, we'll see. I mean, if he gets clobbered in his next start, maybe maybe then they'll figure it out. But they keep running him out there. Every fifth day, I don't know why, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, the Nick Picoro's story on AZ Central after Friday's game in which Bumgarner gave up the five runs. Um, Bumgarner made it sound like the injured list could be another possibility. Quote, there was a lot going on in between the last start and this one. It wasn't quite as smooth as it may have looked just getting a couple of extra days. There was a lot of stuff going on. I'm not going to tell you all the stuff going on, but it wasn't just an ordinary, here's a couple of extra days, close quote. Now, Tori said on Saturday he's going to get another start. But if he does not do well in that one, we talked about this a little bit on Friday. I wouldn't be surprised at all if a long trip to the injured list to figure out what's wrong with Madison Bumgarner is next. So that way, you have to pay him anyway. You could cut him, but you keep him around just in case. Just in case three of your starters get hurt, you need somebody to throw? Yeah. Just in case. But you can't can't compete for a wild card spot, in my opinion, with that guy being run out there every fifth day. Oh, it's getting to that point. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. It's just at this point, how do you diminish your losses on him? Do you do you just cut him and eat the money? Or do you put him on the injured list with maybe even a not-so-phantom injury? I don't know. This but relationship between the Diamondbacks and Madison Bumgarner is kind of like that that husband and wife staying together for the kids. <laughs> we'll yeah. get divorced after the kids oh, are yeah, grown up. It's inevitable. Up. They're, they're going to break up. Of course, mm-hmm. we all know that. Now, on to the St. Louis Cardinals and your pitching matchup for today's game. 
Jack Flaherty, the righty, gets the start for St. Louis. It's off to a good start so far. 1-1 one one with a 1.76 ERA. Merrill Kelly for the Diamondbacks. He's 0-2. He's got a sub-3 ERA. It's the Walks. 12 in 15 four, innings four and so four. far. Yeah. I mean, that's the key. One of the keys to the game is, and I've got another one, but um, yeah, you can't walk the, the, that amount of batters. I mean, he, he's got three times this year he's walked four batters. Last year, he only, he did that three times the entire year, pitching every fifth day. So it's very unlike him to not have the command. He usually has great command. Flaherty's big. He's strong. He's tough. Opponents are batting 184 against him. Um, he doesn't walk many guys. I think he's only walked to like 14. So, like, he doesn't, he's, he's a good pitcher. And he usually goes pretty deep into the games. Um, so that's, uh, no, the walks were an issue. That's what I was, the walks were an issue for him. So that's something you can, you can work on with Flaherty is try to get those bases on balls. But batting average, 184 against him. That's fifth best. Yeah. So that is the pitching matchup for tonight. Your injury report is brought to you by the Arizona Department of Health Services. The first step to help is three numbers away. Call, text, or chat 988 to access the suicide and crisis lifeline. There's been no official announcement from the Diamondbacks. Maybe there won't be one until tomorrow. But Lefty Joe Mance applied through two scoreless innings on Saturday in his second rehab assignment with Double A Amarillo. Perhaps could join the team in St. Louis. Manager Troy Lavello told AZ Central the two spoke yesterday with Mantiply saying he had to pitch in cold and wet in conditions and Lavello said that's great because we're in controlled conditions in Chase Field and I want you to know how you pitch in the element. So maybe he's on his way back soon. We'll see. As far as Kyle Lewis, he is still on the injured list but apparently he's trending in a good direction and feeling better so maybe he'll be active. Yeah, I want to give him another opportunity. He had the one big pinch hit home run but hasn't done much. He was a former rookie of the year, but he's a right-handed bat, and they need that balance in the lineup. So again, early, didn't get off to a great stop, and I think they need to give him every opportunity to see what he can do. Your MLB standings, they're presented by Desert Wholesale Diamond. Desert Wholesale Diamond, honored to be a part of your big life moments for over 32 years. Arizona Diamondbacks, despite dropping two of three to the Marlins, still in first in the National League West with a 9-7 and seven record. The Dodgers a game back at 8-8, eight and eight. San Diego 8-9. and nine. They could be getting for Fernando Tatis Jr. back any day. The Atlanta Braves have the best record in the National League, twelve and four so far this year, followed by the Milwaukee Brewers and the New York Mets at ten and six. In the meantime, over the weekend, the Tampa Bay Rays lost two of three to the Toronto are, Blue Jays. So they are not robots. They're human. They can actually They're human. They yeah. bleed. They yeah. bleed. They bleed. Yeah. <laughs> they bleed. Let's give you a key to tonight's game. I am the key master. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. D-backs, keys to the game. Driven by trucks only, the Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the lifetime engine warranty. Comes out of Sandra Day O'Connor High School right here in Phoenix. Played his college baseball at the U of A. Nolan Gorman is uh, tearing it up for the Cardinals. He's got four home runs. He's got four doubles. He leads the team with 14 runs batted in. He's the key. And then also... 
the, the Cardinals turned more double plays than any team in baseball. So try to stay out of those double plays because they, they were the best in the Major League Baseball at turning them last year, and they're the best at turning them this year. Again, this game is going to start on ESPN 620. It's coming up at 445 this afternoon. If you want to listen to the game, you can catch it there. But I promise you, we'll keep you completely updated on the D-backs and the Cardinals coming up later this afternoon. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, we're at the turn on this Monday, and we'll circle back to what is the top story of the day, in addition to all of the top stories of the day. Phoenix Suns, tough loss last night for them. What else happened over this busy weekend? We'll get into it next. Four o'clock reset coming up on Burns and Gambo.